All right, well, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today. We are in a season where uh, we're not in a teaching series. Normally, we schedule out our teaching series, and, and so we know well in advance what we're going to be preaching on. And, and, and in this season, we just decided, you know what, we're going to let God speak, and, and we're going to try to do some right-now words. But that can be a scary place to be for someone like me who likes to be prepared, who likes to plan and, and to schedule. And so I kid you not, I woke up on Tuesday morning this week, and I had no idea what I was going to preach today. And that is terrifying. I had some ideas bouncing around in my spirit, but I didn't have anything set. And then I opened up my rooted Bible reading on Tuesday, which is my routine first thing in the morning. And it was Matthew chapter 3. And as I read Matthew chapter 3, God just began to deposit this sermon into my spirit. And so then I brought it to the staff meeting on Tuesday, and I spent the week working on it. But this truly is a right-now word. This is a word that, that, that God stirred in me on Tuesday morning, and, and I'm excited to, to share it with you. I want to talk to you today about genuine faith. Genuine faith. And, and so if you've got your notes, obviously here in person, you can find your notes inside of your bulletin. If you're watching this on our digital campus, you can find the sermon notes attached to the video on our website. Or if you're listening to this podcast, you can find the notes attached to the audio of this podcast as well. But genuine faith, first off, if you were to look up the definition of genuine, it would say something like this, to be genuine means to truly be what something is said to be. Truly what something is said to be. Sincere, authentic. So a genuine faith in its simplest form is a faith that is true to what the Bible says it should be. Right? If something is genuine, it's true. Right? You can say, hey, this watch says Rolex on it. Is it genuine? Is it really a Rolex? Is it really what it says it is? Or is it a cheap knockoff? Is it, is it a phony? Right? Genuine faith is going to be a faith that is true to what the Bible says it is. Right? So the label says Christian, but is it genuine? Or is it a phony knockoff? Is it a cheap alternative from what faith is truly supposed to be? And so you can see in your notes, I, I, I wrote down a definition as God stirred me this week. What is genuine faith as the Bible describes it? Well, first off, it's a faith that flows out of a growing relationship with Christ Jesus. Right? It has nothing to do with church attendance or, or uh, things that we do or certain tasks that we accomplish. No, it's a faith that it flows out of a growing relationship with Christ Jesus. That regularly or daily, I want to be with Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to know Him a little more. I want it to grow in me. And then that growing faith, what does it produce? It transforms your behavior. A genuine faith transforms your behavior. We can't behave the same if our faith is genuine. It shapes your thoughts. Our thought life won't be the same, right? Our thought life will be shaped by our growing relationship with Jesus. For many of us, our thought life is shaped 
by network news or local news or it's shaped by social media or it's shaped by cultural norms and cultural expectations. The wind is just blustery outside. We're just going to watch our canopies blow away here. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. They'll be fine. Our thoughts... Right? They're shaped by our political parties. They're, 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 our thoughts are shaped by so many things. But if we have a genuine faith, then our thoughts should be shaped by the Word of God. Our thoughts should be shaped out of our growing relationship with Jesus. It defines your purpose. Right? The purpose of your life flows out of your faith. We don't go and discover a purpose, and then try to make our faith match it? No. We experience a genuine faith, and our genuine faith defines our purpose, and it sets your priorities. It sets your priorities. Right? If, if our faith doesn't determine what's most important in our lives, what's most important that we invest our time in, what's most important that we invest our money in, what's most important that we invest our relationships in, what's most important that we give our heart to. If our faith doesn't set those priorities, then what good is our faith? That's why I want to talk today about a genuine faith. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, and and we're actually going to read a sermon that was preached by John the Baptist. And what do we know about John the Baptist? John the Baptist was an instigator, right? He definitely was a prophet, but he had an edge to him in his prophetic word that he was an instigator. He said things that shook people up. He said things that cut against the norm. He said things that that pushed back against the accepted authority of the day. There was an edge to him, right? He was an instigator. I don't know if you have an instigator in your life. I I have an instigator in my life. I have a friend, and and, uh, he's a follower of Christ, right? So, So we are brothers in Christ, but we disagree on almost everything politically. I mean, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum, but we have that great friendship where we can get into intense discussions about politics, and it doesn't hurt our friendship. But this friend of mine, he is an instigator. That's what he does, and he does it on purpose. He just says things that he knows will upset you. He says things that he just knows will trigger you because he wants you triggered, because he likes to stir up those debates, and he likes to stir up those conversations. And and, and so while I disagree with a lot of his viewpoints, I appreciate the fact that he's an instigator in my life because it makes me think. Even when it ticks me off, it makes me think. Even when it triggers me, and I know he's trying to trigger me, and so most of the time I don't fall for his trap. But sometimes I do. And at the end of the day, he's changed the way I've thought about some things. He's challenged some norms I've accepted in my life. It's good to have an instigator in your life. And and, and John the Baptist was an instigator. Now, being an instigator is a dangerous profession. Because for John the Baptist, it ended for him with his head being cut off and served up on a platter. Because he kept instigating until he got all the way to the king. And when the king's family had enough of his instigating, they had his head cut off. 
John the Baptist was an instigator. So let's see how John the Baptist might stir us up today. How might he challenge the way that we think? How might he cut against our norms today? Come on, Matthew chapter 3. Let's start reading from verse 1. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Come on, John the Baptist is an instigator. So let's talk today about genuine faith. You can see in your notes, I've got five things that I want to share with you today that we can see either from John's life or from John's preaching about genuine faith. The first one is this, genuine faith always produces repentance. Genuine faith always produces produces repentance right when John the Baptist began preaching what was his first message it was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand well what is the kingdom of God what is the kingdom of heaven it is not a physical place not yet anyway In eternity, it will be a physical place. The Bible says when the new heavens and the new earth comes and and God's throne descends in the new Jerusalem into the physical realm and we will exist with Him in eternity with perfect bodies, the kingdom of God will enter the physical realm as a place. But now, in this present day that we live in, the kingdom of God is not a place. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. So wherever God rules and reigns, that's where the kingdom of God is. And so if God rules and reigns in our hearts, then that means the kingdom of God is in our hearts. And if God's rule and reign is in our hearts, then we will always repent. 
Because the rule and reign of God will always call us into submission to his word and to his will. And anytime we're out of submission to his word or his will, his kingdom reign will call us back into submission. That means the kingdom of God always produces repentance. That means that genuine faith always produces repentance. I had a psychology teacher when I was in college, and she was uh, uh, teaching behavioral psychology, and, and one of her favorite jokes in behavioral psychology was this, is that punishment always works. Punishment always works, and people would question it. Well, wait a minute. What if spanking doesn't work? What if a timeout doesn't work? What if taking a toy away doesn't work? And she would say, no, punishment always works. Why? Because the definition of punishment in behavioral psychology is any repeated consequence that reduces an unwanted behavior. Any repeated consequence that reduces an unwanted behavior. So, by definition, if it does not reduce unwanted behavior, it's not punishment. Therefore, punishment always works. And if it doesn't work, it's not punishment. And in the same way, genuine faith always produces repentance. And if it's not producing repentance, it's not genuine faith. And so if you're in a place in your life where you are refusing to repent because of pride, because your flesh has risen up, it's not genuine faith. you got to go back to the foundation and say, what's wrong with my faith in Christ? Because I am not willing to repent. Genuine faith always produces repentance. Second thought is this. Genuine faith will set you apart. Genuine faith will set you apart. John the Baptist was a man of genuine faith, and he was a little bit different right? And, and so genuine faith is going to make us a little bit different. Just a couple of weeks ago, we preached on having a different kind of a spirit, right? John the Baptist, he was a guy that lived in the desert and ate bugs, right? He was a little bit different. His fashion sense was a little bit different. There was something that set him apart and made him a little bit different. And you know what? He was okay with being a little bit different, a part of our genuine faith today is we got to be okay with being a little bit different. I believe that as a church and as followers of Christ, we have fallen into a trap of trying so hard to be relevant to the culture, of trying so hard to fit in, of trying so hard to connect with people that we have given up our differentness. And by giving up our differentness, what we have truly given up is our genuine faith. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. He said, for if you love those who love you, what, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right? Jesus is saying, listen, if you're my follower, there should be another level. 
There should be an above and beyond that makes you a little bit different than everybody else. You should love different. You should treat people different. Ultimately, it says you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So that that next level for us as followers of Christ, that thing that's making us maybe just a little bit different, is that day by day we are being conformed more and more into the perfection of God. Day by day, we are being conformed more and more into the nature of the King of glory. And that's going to make us a little bit different. We're going to talk a little different. We might look a little different. Our fashion sense might be a little different. We're not always going to fit in. And if our concern is always fitting in, we become like Christian chameleons, right? Well, around this group... It's beneficial to be a Christian. So I'm going to act like a Christian around this group. But around this group, it's not. So around this group, I'm not going to act like a Christian. I'm going to blend in, and I'm going to talk like this group talks, and I'm going to walk like this group walks. And then, and then I'm around a different group, and now I'm going to blend with this group. Listen, that is not a genuine faith. A genuine faith sets you apart. And you don't adapt to conform to any group You only conform to Christ Jesus. Amen? Genuine faith follows God, not the crowd. Genuine faith follows God, not the crowd. Right? If we look at verse 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? So John sees the, the religious leaders of the day coming out to this crowded place where people are confessing their sins and, and getting water baptized. And rather than saying, Hallelujah, I'm so glad you came. He calls them a brood of vipers. He says, you deceptive snakes. Who warns you to flee the wrath? What was he saying? What he was saying is that he had discerned in the spirits that these leaders were not coming out with a genuine faith. They were only coming out because it was the place to be at that moment. Right? And they liked to be where the crowd was. They liked to be in what was popular. They liked to have their finger on the pulse of whatever was happening. And it had nothing to do with having a heart for God. It just had to do with what the crowd was doing. And so the crowd was at the Jordan River, so the Pharisees were like, we're going to go to the Jordan River because that's where the crowd is. And John the Baptist wasn't buying it. He wasn't buying it. So genuine faith follows God, not the crowd. Sometimes God is with the crowd, but many times He's not. And so if we're going to have a genuine faith, we can't follow the crowd. Right? God's kingdom is not a democracy. It's not a majority wins. The majority isn't right. God's kingdom is a theocracy. Only God is right. And a genuine faith doesn't live by what's popular. Because guess what? In this day and age, following God is not popular. Living with a genuine faith according to the mandates of Scripture, is not popular. But that's what God has called us to. Number four, genuine faith is proven by our fruits. Genuine faith is proven by our fruits. 
right? Verse 8, John says, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What he is saying is, don't just come out here and put on a show in front of everybody that you're going to confess your sins and that you're really sorry and that you're going to change and you're going to be different. He says, don't just come out here and put on a show. Go and live and prove by your behavior that something has shifted in your spirit and in your life. I like what it says in the Passion Translation. It's really straightforward. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. Or how about what James says in the Bible? James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Right? We, we embrace the doctrine that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. Right? Sola fide. Faith in Christ alone. But the problem is, is that we are so afraid of, of any sort of a works-based theology that we have swung the pendulum so far to say, well, no, works has nothing to do with it. We're not saved by works, and so works aren't important. You just have to confess Jesus. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are saved by faith in Christ Jesus alone, that we are saved through God's grace and that not of our works, nothing we can do can earn God's grace. We are saved by faith. But the Bible teaches over and over and over again that our behavior, our works, while they don't earn our salvation, they do prove our salvation. They prove a genuine faith. And, and therefore, a genuine faith is going to produce different behavior. A genuine faith is going to produce a different way of life. Right? Again, if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So here, Jesus repeats exactly what John the Baptist preached in Matthew chapter 3. But then Jesus takes it a step further. Right? In verse 20, he says, So then you will know them by their fruits. Right? You notice here, Jesus doesn't say, So you will know them by their faith. He doesn't say, So you will know them by their confession. He doesn't say, so you will know them by their church attendance. No. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Your genuine faith is proven by your fruits. The fruit of a changed life. The fruit of godly behavior. The fruit of reproducing what God has done in your life. And then Jesus goes on and gets a little scarier when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? So right there, Jesus says, confession alone is not enough. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Genuine faith is proven by the fruit of our life. 
Genuine faith is proven through our behavior and through the way that we live. All right, it's really quiet in here. I'm going to move on. Hallelujah. Genuine faith. Number five, genuine faith depends on God for supernatural results. Genuine faith depends on God for supernatural results. I love John the Baptist's humility. Yeah, he was an instigator, and yeah, he was out here stirring up trouble with the religious leaders. But at the same time, he was incredibly humble, and he understood his role and his assignments. Right? He said, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. He says, that's my role. But there is one, he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. I'm not even qualified to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, John had an understanding here that his assignment was to deal with some outward issues. His assignment was to water baptize people, which was an outward, a public ceremony. It was a public ceremony indicative of an inward work of God, but it was still an outward ceremony. His responsibility was to declare the coming of Jesus, to prepare people for the coming of Jesus, and to baptize them in water. He said, but the one coming after me, Jesus, he's going to do a supernatural work. Whereas I am dunking you in water, he is going to dunk you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Again, if we look at the Passion Translation, it says he will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. Genuine faith depends on God for supernatural results. Right? We don't look to human strategies to get God results. We don't just focus on the outward, what are we doing? No, God brings the supernatural. And so a genuine faith looks to God. Yes, strategies are good, and God is all about plans. God presented plans all throughout the Bible. So having plans is good. But having plans without God is worthless. And trying to get supernatural results through the work of our natural hands is fruitless. Genuine faith understands that without God touching me, Nothing supernatural is going to happen in my life. Without God touching my ministry, without God touching my family, without God touching my life, there's not going to be anything supernatural in my life. I need to be submerged into union with the spirit of holiness. I need that raging fire of God burning in my life. I'm not just going to depend on the outward things that we do. I'm going to depend on God for supernatural results in my life. So why do we need a genuine faith today? Well, I could give you a really simple answer because a phony faith isn't going to cut it. Right? John the Baptist was calling out their phony religious faith. He says, oh, you say that you're children of Abraham. John the Baptist was like, you know what? I'm not impressed because God could raise up children of Abraham out of these rocks on the ground. John the Baptist is saying, I am not impressed with your phony religious faith. It's not going to cut it. 
So why do we need a genuine faith today? Why is this a word for right now? First off, because we need an unshakable foundation. Because in the days that we're living in, the days of pandemic, the days of riots, the days of chaos, right? The the days of, of an uncertain presidential election, the days of political divisiveness, the, the, the days of Christianity being pushed out of the limelight and being pushed back into the shadows, the day that we're living in, a religious, cultural, popularity, empty faith isn't going to cut it. It's not going to get us through. In a day of uncertainty, when you're not sure where the next paycheck is going to come from, in a day of uncertainty, when you're not sure when you're going to see your family again, in a day of uncertainty, a phony faith isn't going to cut it. The only thing that's going to get us through is a genuine faith. A life truly surrendered to Christ Jesus, growing and flowing out of that relationship with Christ Jesus. We need an unshakable foundation, and we're only going to find that in a genuine faith. Number two, because people need hope. Because people need hope. And a cultural faith is not going to give them the hope they need in these uncertain times. It's not. What did we just read in Matthew chapter 3? It said that large crowds were coming out to John the Baptist. They were coming out from Jerusalem, from Judea, from all around the Jordan River. Large crowds were coming out. This guy who wasn't very polished, and he wasn't very nice, and he didn't fit in, and there was something a little bit different about him. Crowds were coming out and confessing their sins and repenting and changing their lives. Why? Because there was a genuine faith in him. It was something in him that stirred people up. Listen, in this day and age, people aren't looking for someone who fits in to find hope. People aren't looking for someone who sounds just like everybody else for hope. People aren't looking for somebody who's just playing the game or acting the part for hope. No, they're going to look for somebody who has genuine faith to find the hope they need in this day. We are dispensers of hope. That is our calling in Christ Jesus. And only a genuine faith is going to give people the hope that they need. Let me have the worship team come back up today. Why do we need a genuine faith today? Because we are called to be disciples who make disciples. And a cultural faith, a religious faith, is not going to cause us to put the time in, to pay the price, to be a disciple who makes disciples. We're not going to set aside time in our lives to grow as a disciple. We're not going to set aside time in our lives to pour into other people and disciple other people and raise up other people in the Lord. We're not going to give the sacrifice of time and resources. We're not going to make it a priority to be disciples who make disciples just because we have a faith for show. No, only a genuine faith is going to cut so deep to who we are that we reorder our lives to become a disciple who makes disciples. I heard Ed Stetzer say this week, the great theologian Ed Stetzer, he said this, the moment we are in does not pause the mission we are on. The moment we are in does not pause the mission we are on, right? If you're sitting around thinking, man, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over so I can go do things for God again. What a wrong attitude that is. 
The moment we are in does not pause the mission we are on. In fact, the moment that we are in should accelerate the mission that we are on. We should be doing more for the kingdom of God in this time, not just waiting for the pandemic to end. But it's going to take a genuine faith to reorder our lives in such a way. And then finally, maybe the most important one, because we want to end up in Jesus' barn. Because we want to end up in Jesus' barn. Jesus has his winnowing fork in his hand. He's going to clear the threshing floor. Everything on the threshing floor is going to end up in one place or another. It's either going to end up in the barn or it's going to end up in the fire. Genuine faith gets us in the barn. Phony faith puts us in the fire. I don't want to be in the unquenchable fire. The thought of it even makes me shudder an eternity apart from God. But Lord, Lord, I played the game. Lord, Lord, I showed up to church. I put my nice shirt on every Sunday. But Lord, Lord, I I, I prayed. I want us all to end up in the barn. I want us all to be in eternity with Jesus. Only a genuine faith gets us in the barn. Come on, only a genuine faith gets us in the barn. Will you stand with me today? God's eyes are upon us, right? We learned that last Sunday. His eyes are upon us. He's looking for those in an uncertain time. He's looking for those in a chaotic season whose faith will stand, whose faith is genuine, who will endure, not only endure the season, but who will be on mission during the season. Come on, I want to do this. I want to do this. Wherever you're listening to this, whether you're here with us in person, whether you're on our digital campus, whether you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are. Come on, this is a moment of being real with ourselves and being real with God. Is my faith genuine or am I just putting on a show? Is my faith genuine or am I just going through the motions I've been going through my whole life? Is my faith genuine or do I just think I'm a Christian because I'm an American or because... My family has always gone to church. Come on, it's time to search deep. Is there an area of your life, is there a place in your heart where you have kept the door closed to the kingdom of God? Is today a day of repentance for the sin that you've been unwilling to let go of? Is today a day that you say, I'm done blending in It's time to be set apart. Is today a day where you say, I'm going to stop doing what's popular. I'm going to stop following the crowd. And I'm going to follow God. Is today the day that your thoughts and your behaviors are transformed to conform to look like Jesus? And that the fruit of your life will prove the faith of your hearts. 
Come on, is today the day that you're going to begin to trust God for supernatural manifestations in your life? Is today the day? Is today the day that you're going to make the decision that I want to be in Jesus' barn? I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be in the fire. So I'm going to surrender all to Him. I just pray right now, Lord, for anybody here at church or for anybody that's listening to this message. I just pray right now in Jesus' name that whatever step they need to take, whatever you're convicting them of right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, whatever you're speaking to hearts right now, oh, that, Lord, our hearts would respond, that now would be a time of repentance, now would be a time of surrender, now would be a time of setting apart, now would be a time of transformation, now would be a time of digging down deep and making sure that the roots of what we believe, of what we confess are real and that our roots run deep in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Jesus. Do that deep work in us. Do that deep work in us in Jesus' name.